Hello, everyone, and welcome to Christ Fellowship Online. My name is Jeannie Rodriguez, and I want to thank you so much for joining us. If this is your first time, I want to invite you to pause the broadcast and fill out a connection card at cfmemmy.org connect. This will help us connect with you and know how we can best serve you during this season. And now, a special message by Pastor Omar. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be what? To be what? To be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. God wants all people to be saved. That is the word of the Lord. You can go and take a seat, everyone. Let me just stop right there and let me set up a teaching by just sharing a quick story that I think may help us connect the teaching for today. Now, to begin with, several weeks ago, I was at home with my beautiful wife, Ashley, and our beautiful little baby girl, Camila, and we're just hanging out there, just enjoying life, and we're watching television, and on TBS, the movie Titanic came up. How many of you guys remember the movie Titanic? Yeah, right? We all love that movie. movie. And so as I was just sitting there on my couch and I was watching this, you know, the the film, I kind of looked past all the romance of the movie. And I just sort of, you know, thinking to myself, you know, what a, a sad, sad story that was. As many of you know, you know, the, 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 the Titanic was the world's largest ship in the early 1900s. In fact, it was so big that people thought it was unsinkable. And so the goal of the company who made the Titanic, RMS, it was not only to build the biggest ship, but also to cross the Atlantic in record time. And so the, 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 the captain had that ship moving as much, as fast as he could, despite, get this, despite six different warnings about icebergs in the water. And on April 15th, 1912, just 400 miles offshore, the Titanic ran into, encountered one of these icebergs. In fact, take a look at what happened.
me, why have the engines stopped? I felt a shudder. I shouldn't worry, madam. We've lightly thrown a propeller blade. That's the shudder you felt. May I bring you anything? No, thank you. Well, it looks all right. I don't see anything. Could it have damaged the ship? It seemed like much of a bump. I think we're all right. All right, that's it. You're going overboard. No, no! We're going overboard. <laughs> hey, did I miss the fun? You see what happened? No, I missed it. Apparently it hit over there. Well, folks, I don't, I don't even have to tell you, but the moment that that ship hit that iceberg, it became a dying ship. And that wound proved to be fatal. And at that moment, that ship was doomed to sink to the bottom of the ocean. And with it, take every single person that remained on board. However, there was one way to be saved that night. And the only way to be saved is in one of these lifeboats. You know, if somebody wanted to be saved and not go down with a ship and die that night, the only way was to be on that lifeboat. And yet, and yet, and here's the most ironic thing about the whole situation. After the initial impact, for over an hour, for over 60 minutes, People kept living their lives like if everything was fine, like if everything was good, like there was, everything was perfectly normal. In fact, they were probably still in their stateroom and they were worrying about the minor details of their night. You know what? What should I wear tonight? You know, does this shirt look good? Right? Or these shoes, do they, do they match? And I wore other shoes and so maybe some of them were still concerned about what, what they were wearing that night or Others maybe were looking through their wallet and thinking, do we have enough money to go out and enjoy ourselves? And so they were counting their money and so worrying about stuff like that. Others were so maybe just looking to see what's out there for fun tonight. How can we be entertained? In fact, out in the, in, in the deck, they were, they were playing with ice. But family, listen, the reality was at the moment that that, that that ship hit that iceberg, Listen, all those things that they were worried about that night, right? They all became secondary. They all became minor because the most urgent need, the most, urge, the most pressing need that night, listen, was for them to get in those lifeboats and be saved. And folks, let me just bring all that over to our teaching for today because what a picture, what a picture of how many people live their lives. You see, just like many people in the Titanic were still worrying about the details of their night, what should we eat and what should we wear, and in the process neglected their most urgent need, which was to be saved from death. Folks, in the same way, many people, maybe it's you today, are so concerned about issues in our life, maybe how much money we have in the bank, maybe what's going on with my career. 
probably this boyfriend and this girlfriend, this whatever the case may be. And listen, can I tell you, I totally get it. I get that you have things in your life that you're concerned about. However, in the process, we neglect our most urgent need, which is to be saved, which is to be saved. In fact, the big idea for this Easter weekend is this, as we start this new series, is that God's will for your life, first and foremost, is to be saved, is to be saved. Now, you may be sitting there, you may be asking, but pastor, listen, why is that God's first will for my life? Listen, you have no clue what's going on in my life. I got so many issues that if you knew what I was going through, listen, you wouldn't be saying that. And what do we need to be saved from? We're going to find out from 1 Timothy chapter 2, all right? So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 2, and you can follow along with our listening guides as well as our apps. And with that in mind, I have two thoughts for you today about why being saved is God's first will for your life. In fact, write this down as point number one. It's because you and I, listen, you and I are dying. We're dying. Now, before we dive into the passage for today, let me just give us a quick context of what's going on in this specific verse. Because to begin with, the Apostle Paul was mentoring a very young pastor, and his name was Timothy. And as he was pastoring that church, Timothy was, the people who who were in his church fell into the trap of really starting to pray only for the people in their church and other people like them. And so when the Apostle Paul hears that they're only praying for people just like them in the same social class, he writes Timothy a letter to be sure, to be sure that they are not only praying for each other, but that they're praying for people outside of the church, for people in different social classes, even people in the government. And you may be wondering, well, why why is Paul so concerned that they be praying for all types of people, for, for everyone? Well, here's why. Listen to what it says in the verse. Because God, our Savior, wants all people to be what? To be saved. To be saved. Now, go ahead and circle the word in in your handout. Circle the word saved. Because the word saved in the original Greek text, you know, the the, the Bible is always first written in Greek and Hebrew and then translated into different languages. The word here for saved in the original text is the word sozo, sozo. In fact, this Easter weekend, can we have a little fun and just learn some Greek together? Can we do that? Yeah? yeah? At the count of three, I want you to say sozo, all right? Ready? One, two, and three. Sozo. So-so. Not bozo. Sozo. Sozo. Now, the word sozo in the original Greek, it just means um, to rescue from danger or destruction. You know, throughout, throughout all of Scripture, God is showing us what is our state, the state of every single human being. And if it's not of one of safety and security, quite the opposite, it's one of danger and need. See, the entire Bible, you want to to know what the entire Bible is all about? It's to show you and to show me that we need to be saved. We need to be saved. Now, you may be sitting at one of our campuses and you may be thinking, well, pastor, what do you mean we need to be saved? I said, I just feel fine. I'm at church, I feel fine, I look good, you know, I'm putting on my Easter clothing. In fact, we're going to go eat dinner after this. So what's, you know, what, what, what's the big point? What's, what do we need to be saved from? Well, write this down as A. 
You need to, you and I, listen, we need to be saved from sin. We need to be saved from our sin. Now go back with me to the Garden of Eden for a moment. Because what happened there really helps explain a lot of what happens in our own life. You know, when God created us, God designed us to be in a perfect, loving relationship with our creator. It is really close, good relationship. And there was only one thing that can mess that up, that can break that relationship, and that is sin, because God is a holy God. In fact, listen to what it says, what God tells them in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 through 17. Listen to what he says. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work, to work it and take care of it. And the Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of good and evil. Now pause right there, family. Because a tree in the garden of Eden, it represented much more than just a simple fruit, a simple command. It really represented our willingness to trust God and follow his will for our life. And family, there was one consequence, one consequence for us really disobeying God. And you may be wondering, well, what is that consequence? Well, write this down as B. Sin triggered death. Sin brought death into our lives. In fact, listen to how the passage continues. It says, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from, every, from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And here's the warning. For when you eat from it, you will certainly what? Die. Die. Pause right there. Because when the Lord created Adam and Eve, listen, he created them not to live 100 years, not to live 500 years, not even to live 1,000 years. But when God created them, he created them to live forever. In fact, listen to how God engineered our hearts, our soul. Listen to what he embedded into our hearts when he created us. Listen to what it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. It says this. It says, he has put what? Eternity. Eternity into man's heart. Eternity. And family, when we read that, I think there's something in us that resonates with that. Because there's, I don't think, I think all of us, we envision ourselves that we should be able to live forever. Death is just a foreign concept to us. In fact, whenever a loved one passes away, have you noticed that it doesn't matter how old they are, whether they're 80 or 90 or 100, it does not matter. It never feels natural, does it? It always feels, what, unnatural, unnatural. And here's why. Because your creator, listen, he embedded in you eternity. See, that is why when Adam and Eve heard the warning that you will die, to them it just didn't, it just didn't make sense because they had eternity in their heart. But the moment that they disobeyed God and they took that fruit off of that tree, listen, sin, sin entered into the world and death along with sin. And death along with sin. Now, you may, you may be thinking, wait a second, Pastor Omar. I've read the Bible here and there, and I've read that narrative in Genesis. And after Adam and Eve disobey God and take that fruit off that tree, it's, inter it's interesting that they don't die. 
And you're correct. But here's what happens. They begin to die. They begin the process of dying. And they start experiencing the emotional effects of sin and death. You see, they start feeling this thing called sorrow they had never experienced before. They were sad. They were experiencing uh, despair. They experienced anxiety, fear, things they had never experienced before. Even Adam and Eve had the perfect marriage, and from one day to the next, now there's conflict between them. Folks, not only did they experience the emotional effects of sin and death, but also physical. You see, when Eve looked at the, her reflection in the water, she who had perfect, beautiful skin now had a, started seeing wrinkles in her eye, under her eyes. Adam started seeing gray hairs. When they would come back from the field after war before, they didn't hurt. Now, they're, now they got pains and aches. And now they're starting to see their bodies break down and diseases, and they start getting sick, and they start dealing with things they had never experienced physically. And can I tell that you and I, listen, we do, even today, you and I do whatever possible to stop the process of death? You know, just recently, my wife turned 30 years old, so I decided to take her to a day at the spa. You know, I get some brownie points, you know? Say, so... I'm taking to the spa, so let's go. And so we went to the spa, and you know how it is. You know, you, you, get, you go to the spa, and it's just the, the music, right? The, the smell, the, the furniture, just everything is so nice, so relaxed. You know, waters with flavors that you've never thought about. It's like, oh, my goodness. But as I'm walking through the spa, I start thinking to myself, it's amazing the great lengths that we all go through through somehow reverse this process of death, don't we? You know, we get massages, we get hot stones, we get uh, milk baths, we know we get all these different things, you know, we get Botox. We even put, get this, we put cucumbers over our eyes. Yes, this is going to stop this, you know? And even myself, when I was, you know, when I was in in, in the spa, I looked at myself in the mirror, all relaxed, and I'm thinking, wait a second. Some more great white hair, some canas here. What's, what is going on here, you know? I got to teach on Easter. I got to cover this up a little bit. But you know what? Every single time that we look in the mirror, every single morning, it's a reminder that we're aging and that the process of death is taking its toll. And you know, sure enough, God's promise back at the beginning came true. People began to die. Can I tell you that same thing's going to happen to you? The same thing's going to happen to me. In fact, listen to what it says in the book of Romans. It says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, Adam, death through sin, you see the connection, and in this way, death came to all people because what? All sin. See, family, because all of us are sinners, including myself, listen, we are in this process of death because of the consequence of our sin. Now, when we think of the concept of death, listen, nobody wants to think about death, right? It's an odd thing to talk about. In fact, when we think of death, our own death, there's something in us that's, there's fear in there. And the reason that all of us fear death in one degree to or another is because, listen, if you're taking notes, letter C, death ultimately separates us from God. Death ultimately separates us from God. And can I tell you that I think all of us know that instinctively? We all know that death means separation. You know, when I was growing up, 
as a little boy, my mom had to work during the day. And so my grandmother was the one who looked after me while she was at work. And so as you can imagine, as a little, as a little kid, I just grew very close to my grandmother. In fact, I think I have a picture of me and my grandma. There we go. Look at those shorts. Come on. Look at that. Yes. Chunky little kid. But anyway, she, felt, she fed me a lot of rice and beans. Well, you can tell, right? And folks, when I would look up to her, and I, since I could tell she was older, isn't I was scared that she was going to die. And even though I didn't understand what death meant, really, I mean, I was a little kid, I, I knew inside that that means that I would be separated from her. And that fear consumed my heart. And so here's what I would do, even as a five, six, seven-year-old little boy, whenever my grandma was getting ready to take me to school, here's what I would do every single day before going to school. You want to see? I would go into a restroom to the bathroom at home, and I would pray, Lord, please give my grandma a long life. Lord, please give my grandma a long life. And family, I prayed that prayer, listen, for years and years and years and years. And can I tell you this, and God has been faithful. She is 88 years old today. I think we have a picture of her. There she is. She's 88 years old right there. And she got to, she got to see her first great-grandchild, Camila. It's been amazing. But folks, listen, don't miss a point. Don't miss a point. Because even as a little boy, there was something inside of me that I knew death separates. And that not only separates us from our loved ones, more importantly, listen, it separates us from our creator. See, family, the ultimate consequence of sin and death is that we're separated from the God that loves us and that created us. And I cannot think of anything more fearful in my life than to think that for all of eternity, I'll be separated from God. I can't think of anything more fearful. And family, listen, that's exactly what sin does. The consequence of every single one of our sins is not only physical death, but eventual separation from God for all eternity. All right, Pastor. Listen, it's Easter. I thought we were supposed to be hope. I mean, this will be happiness. What's going on here? Listen, listen. Is there any good news? Absolutely. Absolutely. And here's the good news. Write this out as big number two. God's will for your life is to be saved. God's will for your life is to be saved. In fact, go back with me to the verse in 1 Timothy. Listen to what it says. It says, this is good and pleases God our Savior who what? Who what? Who what? Who wants all people to be saved. Now circle the word want. We're going to learn two Greek words today. First is sozo and now is thalo. The word thalo simply means to desire something. But it's just not a neutral desire. It's one that's filled with delight. Think about this as Easter. The God of the universe who is sovereign, perfectly holy, all-powerful, he desires with delight that you will be saved and that you will spend eternity with him. See, if you're here today and you're, you're trying to see God's will, he wants to show you, but the first step, the first step in his will is for you to be saved. Now, you may be thinking, well, how does God save us? How does he even do that? 
Well, the answer is through his son, Jesus Christ. In fact, if you write this down as a Christ alone, Christ alone can save us. In fact, listen to what Peter says about Christ in Acts chapter four. He says, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. No other name. See, the reason that Peter was able to write that is because he saw Jesus live this perfect life of obedience that you and I could never live. There was never a moment that he sinned, that he dishonored his father, that he, that he did anything wrong. He was a perfect son of God. And not only did he live the perfect life of obedience that you and I could never live, listen, he also paid the price for your sins and my sins that we can never pay. In fact, when the Lord was hanging on that cross, dying, dying for dying and suffering, listen, he was not dying for his own sin. Mm -mm. He was dying for your sins and my sins. Every single thing you've done that you know you've been ashamed, that you haven't told a soul, that you know you messed up, that you shouldn't have done that. Listen, every single thing you've ever done, he died on that cross. He suffered for you. And so not only did Jesus Christ live the perfect life of obedience, you and I could never live before God. He paid the price for your sins that we can never pay. That is why Peter wrote with certainty that there's no other name by which we must be saved. So picture like this. Because of our sin, our life is like the Titanic that is sinking into an eternity without God. But folks, here's the good news. God provided a boat. And not only a boat, he provided a lifeboat in Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad about that? He provided a lifeboat in Jesus Christ. And so if you are here and you are not saved, listen, God does want to guide you through your life. God wants to show you his will for your life, but you cannot expect God to lead you in the details of your life if you first haven't taken the first step, which is to be saved. See, that is what he wants you to do. Now, perhaps you're here today and you are already saved. You are already saved. The truth of the matter is that you are discouraged because you're trying to figure out God's will in a small area in your life. Truth be known, you're downcasted. You have no joy in your life. Listen, child of God, if you are already saved, you are already in God's will. Child of God, treasure in your heart this Easter weekend that whatever is happening in your life, regardless of what's happening in your life, listen, treasure in your heart that you already saved and that you're going to spend eternity with Christ. You know, we celebrate the resurrection of Christ this weekend. And the resurrection of Christ guarantees that because he was once dead and now he lives, that we will live with him and see him face to face one day. See, that is where the resurrection does. We believe that family, amen? You know, a lot of us, you know, we, we all love to say amen because we know that intellectually that is true. But what happens is in our life, sometimes we don't live that way. In fact, let me just give you a quick visual just to help you understand 
what, what, what I'm saying. I'm going to ask some friends of mine yeah, to come up. Come up, guys. Come on up, guys. Guys, give it up. They're always such good sports. Thank you so much. Come on in. There you go. Now, folks, obviously, if they're sitting in the boat, they represent that they are saved, right? That they're saved. And the signs that they're holding are just some samples, some samples of some of the, the things that we're searching for God's will in. You know, for some of us, family things, career, jobs, other ones, is relationships. And so these are just a sample of the things that we try to see God's will in. Like I said earlier, oftentimes... Believers who are already saved walk around downcasted, discouraged, without hope, without joy, because something in their life they haven't totally figured out. And can I remind us how absurd that is? You know, going back to the original lifeboats, the ones in the Titanic, could you imagine that those people in those lifeboats floating in the pitch dark blackness, darkness of of that sea, do you think that those people who were sitting in that life were wearing, well, how much money do I have in my pocket right now? Or, you know, what am I wearing? Is this, this good? Or, oh, what about that house? Or, oh, that relationship, that boyfriend of my girl? Do we think that they were worried about those things at that point? Oh, no, sir. You know, they were just so grateful that thank God that they were safe. And those lifeboats, that's what they were, they were doing. And family, that's exactly the way you and me should live. Because but when we know that we are safe, sure, we got some things in our life that we got to figure out, but thank the Lord. Thank the Lord that we are saved and we're spending eternity with Christ. And folks, conversely, you know, he represents someone who's not saved, right? Who's still on that ship. And can I tell you, you know, they all, people who are unsaved also have issues in their life, right? But what good is it if that finance issue gets resolved, if that relationship issue gets resolved, the housing, listen, what good is it if whatever issue in your life right now you're going through gets resolved is at the end of the day you die and you spend eternity with God, without God? What good is it? Listen, you, know, you want to know what God's will for your life is? I'm going to show you. Come here. Listen, God's will, regardless of what's going on in your life, is first of all that you get saved. Amen, family? That is God's will for your life. Guys, you are awesome. Guys, guys, give it up for them. You guys are awesome. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Okay, pastor, I get it that Christ is the only way to be saved, but how do I get saved? Well, write this. Here's what you need to to know. Write this down as B. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And how do we call on the Lord? Well, listen to what John 3.16 says. For God so loved the world. For God so loved you. He loves you. That he gave his one and only son the perfect son of God, that whosoever what? Believes in him shall not perish, but have what? Eternal life. See, the way you can call on the Lord is by putting your faith in him. 
See, if, you're, if you feel this Easter weekend that you will feel lost and you feel like you're drowning in the sea of life, God is saying, call on me. Call on me this weekend and I will save you. See, just like those people in the original lifeboat, at one point when they were on that, on that deck, they had to trust and put their faith on that lifeboat that it was not going to sink in those icy waters. Family, what, what, a, what an image, really, of what we do. Because when we come before Christ, we step in faith, right? We, stay, we step in trust. And the Bible says that when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, that he forgives you of all of your sins, he gives you eternal life, and you start a relationship with God that will never end. It will last the rest of your life, and the rest of eternity, you will spend it with your heavenly Father. God's, that's God's will. Now let me end with this. You know, going back to the real Titanic story, not the movie. There was a man on board that ship that knew that Jesus Christ was the only way to be saved. You know, John Harper was a pastor in England who had just lost his wife. And now he was left alone with his little girl, his little daughter, six-year-old girl. Her name, is, her name was Nana. And so there was a church in Chicago called Moody Church. Some of us have heard that church that asked John Harper to come to the States and be their pastor. And so John accepted, and so he got his little girl, Nana, a little girl, and got all the belongings, and they got on that Titanic. And they were on their way to America. And after they hit that iceberg and the distress calls were, were made to go to the lifeboats, John Harper got his little girl. He wrapped her up in a blanket, in a warm blanket. And he gave, put her on one of those lifeboats. And he looked at her in the eye and she said, Nana, you will see me once again, okay? You will see me. And as that lifeboat went down into the icy waters, the moment that he saw that his little girl was safe, Here's what this man started doing. He began to shout. Women and children and the unsaved into the lifeboats. Women and children and the unsaved into the lifeboats. You see, John knew that the saved were ready to die, but the unsaved were not. And even when that ship went into the icy waters, he swam to everyone he could in that water, begging them, to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Eventually, he gave, his body gave up and he sank and he passed into the presence of the Lord. And four years later, there was a young man, Aguila Webb, who stood up in the middle of a church service and he gave the following testimony. He says this, I am a survivor of the Titanic. When I was drifting alone on a piece of wreckage that awful night, the tide brought Mr. John Harper also on a piece of wreck near me. Man, he said, are you saved? No, I said, I am not. And he replied, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And the waves bore him away, but strange to say, they brought him back a little later. And he said, are you saved now? No, I said, I cannot honestly say that I am. You said, listen, 
believe. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Shortly after, he went down. And there alone in the night, with two miles of water under me, I believed in the Lord Jesus Christ for myself. And I am John Harper's last convert. And the last question that, that that man asked everyone on that ship is, are you saved? And the last question that I would pose to you this Easter weekend is, are you saved? And if not, would you call on the Lord tonight and put your trust in Him? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father God, we're so thankful that you are God that shows us your will, that you guide us through every season. So, Father, for all of us here tonight who are, today who are saved, oh, God, I just pray. I just pray. Father, we would trust in you and that you would fill our hearts with gladness to know that we will be spending eternity with you, oh, Lord. Thank you, God. And with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I want to speak to some of us here today. And as you were listening to the message, something in you realized that you need a Savior. That for far too long, you've been drifting through the sea of life. And you realize, I need to be saved. And you know that, to, that, that you need to get right with God. And put your trust and your faith in Him. So with all heads bowed and eyes closed, a private moment. If you are here today at any of our campuses, and you know, Lord, and you know, Lord, I, I need to start my walk with you. I, I need to, I just need to put my trust in you and get right with you. And I want to start following you today. If that's you, with no one looking around, all eyes closed. Listen, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in a few moments. It's not to make you stand up. It's not to embarrass you. It's nothing like that. It's just so that I could pray for you. Huh. I see that hand. Anybody else? says, Pastor, just pray for me. I see you. I see you. Anybody else? I see you. I see you. Yes. Who need? I see you. Pray for me, Pastor. I need to get right with God. I see. I need to start my journey with God. Anybody else? Many hands. I see you up there as well. Listen, whether you raise your hand or not, but you in your heart know that you need to take that step and start your walk with Christ, I want to lead you through a prayer. Listen, and this prayer is not a poem. It's not something we wrote here at Christ Fellowship. It's simply me helping you talk to your Heavenly Father for the first time. So when you pray, pray this quietly to yourself. Don't pray it to me. Listen, I'm only a man. I cannot save you. You pray that to the God who died for you, who can save you. He's listening right now. So pray this quietly to yourself. Father, today I realize that I'm in need of a Savior. I no longer want to spend my life without you. And so I come before you and I put my trust and my faith in you. Forgive me for all of my sins, Lord. Give me everlasting life. 
and help me to live the rest of my life walking alongside of you. Thank you, God, for saving me. You're a good God. I love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Can we give it up for those who came to the Lord at all campuses? Listen, if, if you prayed that prayer, whether you raise your hand or not, listen, the Lord heard that prayer. He heard it. And so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. On your way out, at whatever campus you are at right now, on your way out, there's a Next Step booth. Be sure to stop by the Next Step booth. There's people there who would want to love on you, just welcome you into to, to God's family. And it's going to be a, from about a minute or so, not too long, but they just want to give you a, a little gift and a, and, and a Bible. You know, because we're starting this journey with God, we need to be able to read God's word, know his will, amen? So be sure, the easy thing is just to go. No, stop at the next step booth, trust me, you won't regret it, you'll be on your way right away, all right, family? Well, folks, listen, before I call a campus pastor to come up to the front, we have a special message from our senior pastor, Pastor Rick Blackwood. I love you all, Christ Fellowship, God bless. Well, hey, everybody, Pastor Rick here. What an amazing message by Pastor Omar. Let's give it up for him at all of our campuses. Yeah, what a great start to a brand new series. By the way, if this is your first time at Christ Fellowship, we do this every week. So I'd invite you to come back next week as we continue this series on understanding the will of God for your life. And next week, we're going to talk about being happy. Because did you know it is God's will for you to be happy, to be joyful? And next week, we're going to talk about the skills for doing just that. So I can't wait to see all of you next week. God bless. What a great message by Pastor Omar. If you want to take your next step as a believer, we want to hear about it. Let us know by filling out a connection card at cfmami.org connect. We want to thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time.